I was just, I, you know, I was just saying to um, our panelists um, that this, this is honestly one, this is my favorite thing that I do in my career. And people ask me, they say, why do you, you know, why do you do this show? Why do you care so much about it? And, you know, you can get into this, you know, weird psychological thing. I was raised by a single mom. Um, I, you know, I, I think what it comes down to is, you know, I've had a lot of strong women in my life. My grandmother taught me how to cook. And as such, my son sees me cook, so he likes to cook. So women have always been a very strong presence in my life and also in my career. Now, do not get me wrong. Do not misinterpret what, I, what, what I'm saying about this. There are some tremendous men who have helped me and continue to help me in my career. And that is the God's honest truth. Where I, what I learned in radio was the men in my career said, there's, there's the goal, go get it. The women in my career said, there's the goal, go get it. I know you're a little weird and you work a certain way, so I'm going to help you navigate this because I kind of know what you're about. So I had uh, some very strong women as leaders in my career along with men. So I've been very fortunate to have both. But I wanted to tell the stories of women because I felt as though that those stories were not being told enough. Um, so that's why I started this show. And the original show of this was Exceptional Women Northwest on a podcasting network that existed in 2009 before podcasting became podcasting. Um, Andy remembers, I started that network and it failed miserably. So, <laughs> it did, it yeah, tanked so bad. Uh, good yeah, yeah, we'll call it a good learning. Yes. Uh, but I'm super proud of the show uh, because I believe in this and I believe in everybody in this industry, but I especially want to be able to look through the lens of what um, truly amazing women are doing in this industry. So, the way that this show works, it's, it's a little bit more like an audio magazine. So I, I think that we try to make this a little bit peppier. We try to make this a little more fun. It's not a typical linear interview. And we actually start the show. I don't introduce you. You introduce yourselves. So you have prepared remarks, each of you. So every, we're going to start here. Uh, Lori, you get to go first okay. and do your introduction. And then we'll go from there. Okay, well, I'm with you. I think you might have to change the name of the show because um, I cannot see myself, I do not see myself as an exceptional woman. It's, it actually has, uh, I don't know, it, it's an interesting experience for me uh, even to be called out, but thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I do agree that I think I have a really great life. I've been very fortunate in my life, um, you know, made possible by an amazing family who knows me and knows what I'm about and has allowed me to indulge myself in this career and this company, you know, that I've now been with for almost 20 years. And so that's sort of how I see it, that, um, that uh, it's, it's not because of me and my individual achievement. I think I'm here because I uh, was smart enough to step up and into what I describe as the definition of a high-performing team um, there's a group of people that I work with, and we uh, trust each other completely. We cover for each other completely. We'd pick each other up when somebody needs to be picked up. And uh, we would take bullets for each other, really, honestly. And, um, and that's, you know, I think... That's exceptional. Yeah, I mean, so. that's why I'm here. So, I mean, what I would say is, uh, on any given day, I was either extremely lucky 
or extremely smart to have seen, you know, this situation and, and, uh, and taken advantage of it. So, uh, and you're, you properly do the final, the final swing of oh, your, yeah. So I'm Lori Bartle. I'm the president of Marion Carson, headquartered in Sacramento, California. We're, new stadiums opening up there, new basketball That's stadiums right. soon. That's so right. Hopefully, hopefully the team will live up to the stadium. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Hi, I'm going to start. I'm with my name. I'm Mary Knight. I'm executive creative director and partner at Hydrogen in Seattle. And let's see, um, I spent about five-sixths of my career as what I'm going to call big agency brat. So I worked for big networks. I've had big jobs. I flew around the world a lot. Um, and I had a very successful career and had a lot of great support and a lot of great mentors, both, both male and female. I uh, have a great husband who allowed me to also have children along this journey, especially when you're at a big network. There's not a lot of time to, you know, sometimes you had two hours between we need you in Hamburg and get on a plane. <laughs> um, and it was fun, and I learned a lot. And um, I think five years ago, six years ago, uh, I had the opportunity to join Hydrogen. And it was an opportunity that I could not pass up because... I had been spending a fair amount of my career. I also I had mentors, I had supporters, but you also kind of were always feeling for the knife in your back at a big organization <laughs> like that. Mm. So uh, I like to say I went from uh, an environment where I always had to feel for the knife in my back to a place where everybody had my back, and that's irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that. Go ahead, Andy. I've been in this business more than 25 years, um, most of it in media, so coming through uh, the media ghetto, if you will. Um, and I've seen a, a number of agency models. So I've worked uh, multinational, full service, to uh, client side, to big media only, and now uh, indep an independent um, advertising agency. I, I also um, am involved in a lot of uh, work outside of the business, but associated with it. So um, I sit on the board executive of Numeris, which is kind of like your Nielsen broadcast ratings. Um, on uh, the Vancouver Board of Trade, I'm a member of the Civic Affairs Committee, uh, gets my head out of advertising for a change. I guess lecture at a couple of post-secondary institutions um, in Vancouver. And on the personal side, I play the ukulele, and I'm an avid quilter. My name is Andine Pitt, and I'm a partner at Wasserman and Partners Advertising in Vancouver. Ukulele. That's good. I play the ukulele. Mm -hmm. okay. Also, together. Wait, do you, do you have a little, you have a hobby? <laughs> do I have a hobby? Yeah. I'm a gardener. Gardener? That's a very Seattle thing, isn't that it? That is a very yes. Seattle thing, and oh, we have yeah. chickens, too. I golf, of all things. Oh, nice. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a good, uh, they're all very good hobbies. The, yours, Lori, a little expensive. It's humbling, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's start with three questions. I'll, I'll ask each of you one, so in, t in some here, three. So, Lori, let me start with you. What is the biggest criticism that you ever received? And, and number one, why was it so important, and, and what did you learn from that criticism? Okay, so it, it happened very recently, so it's still very fresh. Oh, good. <laughs> good. We like to be timely and newsworthy. Um, so it was a new business pitch. Uh, I was part of the team that went and did the orals. Uh, we thought it went great. We came back. A week later, we got the call, and the feedback was, we love the ideas. We love the work. We love most of the team. 
But that Lori Bartle, she's so arrogant. I can't oh. believe I'm telling you this. So, yeah, I had to, I literally, it came in on a Friday. Um, I had to look it up because I had to make sure, okay, what does arrogant really mean? And the words are really bad. Um, <laughs> conceited, sense of superiority, self-importance. I, really? I mean, yeah, I know. It was, it was unbelievable. I don't get that. You it. So, wow. right. So Dave Marrying, I spent a, like a week feeling sorry for myself and Dave Marrying, our CEO, he walked up to me and, you know, typical, he can sort of cut right to the chase. And he said, you're not arrogant. You're just pragmatic, probably to a fault. And um, I looked up pragmatic. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. And it says what sensible, it no nonsense, businesslike. And I think that's right. I think that, you know, that is over time as I've uh, you know, gotten more experience and more confident in what I know, I've become more direct and probably too direct. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know. I'm always the person that's having to deliver the bad news, and I'm pretty sure that day I was the person trying to manage their expectations as it related to some unrealistic budget. <laughs> and um, I've, you know, I, it's like I can't sugarcoat things anymore. I just feel like you just should tell them how it is, and, you right. know, then everybody's on the same page. Um, and my clients really value this sensibility in me, this directness, but obviously what, you know, what this has shown me, the lesson here, There's is lesson. you have to get to know me to really appreciate my directness. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, so that's it. So um, I wonder if there's a Western thing involved with that. Because I, I you, I, New York, right? You've been, all right, great, fine. We move on. Bada bing, bada boom, right? But I wonder if there's. A, I wonder if it's a Western Western I, thing. I don't know. You know, I always think uh, clients don't hire us to tell them. You know what they want to hear. They want to know the truth. And so, you mm. know, I've just taken out, taken it on to be that person that delivers the bad news. And I obviously need to think about my delivery and new business pitches. So. All right. Fair point. Kay. Fair point. Mary, what's there no substitution for? Relevance. Um, a lot of our clients, right? We have a lot of tech B two B. Uh, we call it tools for geeks because we don't. <laughs> We don't work with the guys who make the iPhone 7, but or the girls. We work with the team that um, we we work with the team that helps provide the iPhone 7 designers with test and measurement tools and and lets them try you know test things out before they actually make them. So it gets really really geeky and detailed really really fast. And uh, we also do some life sciences work. And and I think what we found is people create these amazing machines or software or whatever it is, and it's like it does this thing, and they get so excited about the science behind how it worked. And I think the best example, I'm gonna jump way out of geeky world and go, when I worked on Doritos. Uh, it's very high tech. It is very high tech. <laughs> and so they brought in the, the engineer guy, and they're like, we have this new innovation of our product. We have this machine that allows us to spray an extra 1 16th inch of the nacho cheesy gunk on each chip. So we want to tell cool. people that. Yeah. It's kind of cool, but does it really make you want to eat a bunch of chips? I don't know. Um, so it was like, okay, that ultimately ended up in nacho cheesier, but I think it's, I love it's what's really relevant. I mean, it's yeah. what is, what's the benefit out of that? And I think it's, it's so easy. You know, and they're creative people in what they're doing, just like I'm a creative person what I'm doing. And you get so excited about the innovation or the idea that sometimes uh, we all remind ourselves, but we always forget, like, what's the actual benefit or reason we're doing this? I love that Doritos story. It was pretty funny. I didn't mean to be glib there, but one sixteenth of extra nacho cheesiness. That's, <laughs> I love that. And Dean, in 2016, what should we be talking about and why? 
I think we should be talking more about um, inclusion, getting to know each other better, and um, thought about this before even what we were going to talk about today, not knowing some of the subjects around uh, diversity and so on. I think we need to work towards um, uh, greater humanism, so looking at how as beings we can solve uh, problems in a very uh, logical or rational kind of way. And that includes um, uh, including more women in the conversation. Um, and why we should do this is because I think we need to get better. We need to get better as people. Uh, otherwise, we're just about uh, making money. And, mm. you know, if, if that's the case, we might as well just fold up because that's not very satisfying. No, it is not at all. No. <laughs> I, I like money, but I like it when money does the right things for the right reasons. Wouldn't you agree? You bet. You bet. I think it's, um, it's interesting when we, we, um, we think about this idea, you know, that there are uh, winners and losers. And, you know, I get it. I want to make lots of money as a partner, I guess. I make more <laughs> than a whole lot of other people. But I think that when we think about things that way, it's um, we arrive at a, what I consider to be an ugly place. And so, you know, we need to be thinking about how to include more people in um, kind of the rewards and in, in the abundance that we have available or the abundance that we can create. And that takes a lot of... Inclusion is also... In, in my experience, that it, it comes from different perspectives mm -hmm. and point of views. I worked at a hip-hop radio station for six years. Mm -hmm. And I loved the fact that we were... I, I, honestly, I'm, th I'm just kind of going through my head right now and just thinking about, you know, gender, about 50-50. Um, you know, gay, straight, we were white, African-American, Hispanic, Native American. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm kind of like running through this thing. And I remember it being, at the end, just this really transformative six years because we worked so hard to be empathetic towards as many things as possible, but especially, I didn't know that much about my own culture. I didn't know anything about African, really that much about African-American culture. I didn't know much about Asian culture or Hispanic culture. But through the lens of music and through this team, it was incredible. Yeah. And so the business side of this is that we were number one in ratings and, and number one in revenue. But it was bigger than that. It felt oh, yeah. as though you were actually driving the importance of culture and Absolutely. the importance of togetherness. Absolutely. Have you all felt any of that? I mean, in your experiences, I mean, are you seeing that in are you seeing that evolving? Are we, you know, are we moving in the right direction? Do we feel anybody want to field that one? <laughs> Everyone's pausing. <laughs> we yes? Are, we are moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. I think Yes. Yeah, and I think the last panel was a good example. Mm -hmm. I mean, we yeah. we still obviously have work to do. Right. But um Kat and Laurel and that team have been doing an amazing job for a long time. And I, I'm pleased to see them taking on tech now, too, it seems right. like, because working a lot with the tech industry, I mean, I, the only place you see fewer women in it's quite bro conference rooms. Oh, yeah. White bro. It's tech. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's tech. So, yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting there. Shameless plug, we are media partners for the 3% conference in New York. So we'll have plenty around that. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Let's so, go to the must list. Uh, Lori, what does a must do? Um, I'm going to say go back to school. Okay. Uh, I'm prepping. I'm starting an MBA program later awesome. this fall because oh I'm going to teach. Oregon uh, State Online? 
Uh, UNR okay. online. All right. I tried. Uh, Sorry. Andy. Yeah. No. <laughs> but you know, I just learning is fun. You know, when you're back into it, you wonder why you ever left it. Um, oh, right. Right. I know. I know. So yeah, that's my answer. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> Mary, what's a must read? I love this answer. <laughs> well, we probably need to give some context. Uh, so Doug sent us a little thing probably about a week ago and, and asked us these questions, and I'm thinking, like, must read. I should do something flip-like. Uh, always read the small print. Must read. Um, <laughs> but I thought, what is the thing that really, really gives me? And I, like, I, I enjoy reading. What's the thing that really gives me joy? And it's, like, towards the end of January in Seattle when it's gloomy and dark and the Territorial Seed Company catalog comes. And I read that freaking thing from cover to That's cover. Best. And then I have to pre-order because, like, all the good tomato starts go fast. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, you got to hop on those tomato starts. Oh, Are you, you kidding? do? Yeah, if you want the heirlooms, for sure. I think that's the best answer, though. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I'm originally from Minnesota, so it's like, well, yeah, I get that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally get that one. That one's from down here, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Dean, must experience. Oh, I know you didn't like you didn't you don't like the must list. How about oh, that's very <laughs> no, Canadian. No, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's maybe okay. okay for so, Canada. Maybe it's the you might want to consider list. The, the must. The mu- <laughs> I'm you, sorry, but you might want to consider this list. You you think you think it's um it's a Canadian thing? No, I, I'm I struggled with this, but I think that um, I wanted to say you must experience wherever your curiosity leads you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really believe that. But if I thought about from a career perspective, I would say uh, you must experience failure. Now, you can't order up failure, so <laughs> you know I'll just order one of those <laughs> so I can experience it. But I think that um, failure can be very clarifying. It's humbling, it's clarifying, it's strengthening. And then to move on from failure, if you survive it, um, can be very liberating. Going back to failed podcasting network. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So that's my biggest failure. What was, should we go on real quick? What's our biggest failures? Well, Well, I chose golf as my hobby. That's that's inherent, (laughs) inherent. Um, On purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Not even by accident. No, I'm I'm kidding. I'm Gosh, I don't know. I can't think of a failure. I mean, I have quitting. I've quit on things. That's bad. Yeah, too. I've done that too, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Quitting mm-hmm. is not good. No, it's a, what yeah. about you? I'll take that okay. one too. You want okay. that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyone want to share a failure? Take it to the crowd? No? Everyone's clamming up? Okay. <laughs> Fair point. What's a must learn, each of you? Uh, I said to turn it off. I think the mm-hmm. 24-7 workplace that yeah. we have now is kind of an addiction. And, you know, I don't think it's great for us in the creative field mm. that we work in. I don't mm. want my people working right. all the time and being plugged in, you know, all their life. I think they, you know, I want them to come to work on Monday refreshed. And I want to feel that way. And back to, you know, the point of somebody saying lead by example, I actually am, am trying really hard to do that yeah. and plug. So I think that's, it's hard to learn, especially our young people, but I think it's important in a creative industry. I, I couldn't agree more. That's what I, I do appreciate. Uh, we're, so again, we're a Scottish company and they, you know, they're like, no, go, go take a vacation, go be with your family. I'm like, really? I'm allowed to do that? All right. What's your answer? My answer you know, there's a lot of people in this room who've been doing this for a while and are very confident. Um, so this may not resonate with 
some of you are maybe dig past or think about some of the, the younger folks in your, in your organizations, but there's nothing like sitting at a table full of people and we're talking about, and maybe it's a pitch strategy or a creative idea or it could be anything. And people start building on that and building on that. And it's like, oh, we can do this and we can do this. And you're like sitting there and there's this voice, your stomach voice is going like, oh, no, 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 this is totally wrong. This is totally not what they asked us to do. No, no, no. You know, and you're like, shut up, voice, shut up. Because everybody's so excited. And um, Learning to uh, never ignore that voice is incredibly important. And uh, no matter how unpopular it may make you in the coming minutes. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I would say um, learn to listen. Um, it works both in, in a personal sense and also a career sense. Because uh, some of the times when we've run into problems with clients, it's been um, our inability to listen, like really listen. And even in uh, personal interactions, it's so easy to be thinking about yourself, how great you are, what you're going to say next. You know, all those, th those things happen naturally. But to force yourself to learn to listen, um, I think, is just wonderful. Because what you hear, it, it's interesting to think about it. Because when you listen, you hear differently. Does that sound odd to you? It's kind of, yeah. Makes anyway, total sense. Just, yeah. I get that. Mm -hmm. I get that. You may hear I'm about that like, again in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the loud mouth host over here. I was always talking. Bip, 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 bip. Ah, this is different. This is, this is show business. This is show business. Yeah, yeah. Um, one that I'll add to it was uh, restraint. So to that yes. point mm -hmm. was yes. restraint. Yes. Yes. I was on a call uh, last this time last year with a company that may or may not have been bought by Microsoft for a very large sum during the summer. <laughs> and um, I remember that I was on with my colleague and I steered the conversation differently because I, I think that you guys can tell I, I, I'm abundantly aware that I tend to have a personality that's a little big. Um, so I tend to talk and I, you know, I was a radio guy so it's like be the DJ. But on this call, he, he, uh, my colleague said, I was really impressed about how you just did not just jump in like you normally do. And I th said, thank you, question mark. And, <laughs> but, it, but it's interesting because I became acutely aware of it. I became aware that, that yeah, you know, I'd jump into things and what's the point really? Because it's like Pinot Noir, fine Oregon Pinot Noir. You got to let it breathe. You got to let it breathe. What's a question that you've never been asked that you'd love someone to ask you, and what would the answer be? I'm going to start with Andine. We're going to go back this way. Okay, so all my struggles. I, I, had, I have nothing to say about it. I don't know what to say. That's okay. You can ask me a question. <laughs> What's a question you've never been asked before? No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I... What's a what question comes, you, I mean, what would you love someone to ask? What, what do you I like it? What, what, do you, what question do you like people asking you? Um, what do you think? Love, the, love that question. So what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm not sure I, did, I wanted to do this, no. Well, it, it's, it's, uh, it's always within, within a context, but I think, what do I think? What do I think? I think the conference is... Wonderful. I love the tone of the conference. Uh, what else do I think? I think this is kind of strange to 
be sitting talking about exceptional women, <laughs> kind of like you. It's like, <laughs> exceptional what? You know? Um, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of things. That's good. What do you think about independence? Um, it's, it's what I thrive on. Mm -hmm. um, it's, um, I think it's important to, um, to have, to be able to think independent of the group. Uh, I, don't, I don't like groupthink, so I think um, having uh, independence, of, and the way I see it is, is sort of how do I feel regardless of how someone else may think, right. you know, of me. I see that as independence. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, it's very important. That's good. Mary, what have you been, never been asked that you'd love someone to ask you? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to my questionnaire. Because as I said, I do have chickens. And yes. no one's ever asked me. They'll ask me, are chickens smart? Is it fun to have chickens? Do you eat them or just their eggs? But no one's ever said, do they have different personalities? And actually they do. And we have this one gray banty that we've had. And no one knows how long chickens live because literally, like, they, we eat them. everybody loves chicken. You know, so we've lost them to mink. We've lost them to dogs. We, you know, so they, they go bye-bye. But there's this one that we got from a friend uh, right when we moved back to Seattle, which is, a, you know, they're miniature chickens, and then the rest are big chickens. So there's this one loner. We had five. She's the only one left, and she is so stubborn, and she's so smart, too, because they'll go, you'll open the, the thing for them to go run around, and she'll wait for all of them to run around to see, like, okay, what's going to happen? Is, is it going to be a mink or a bald eagle, or what's going to come get me? But uh, it's, it's, they aren't very smart, but she is, so she's a survivor, yeah. And no one ever asked me about the chicken person. I like that. <laughs> I'd, I'd like that. Lori, what's a question you've never been asked? Well, I'm pretty sure nobody's ever asked me. I'm originally from Kansas City, moved to California when I was in fourth grade, but I still do identify as a Midwesterner, follow all of the Kansas City sports, so that's been good. Um, oh, that's a shame. But nobody, <laughs> I, I can't recall anybody ever asking me how has it impacted or influenced, you know, your life, your career in California. Yeah. And, um, and oddly enough, it probably goes back to the problem that I was talking about earlier with my, you know, need to be so darn practical all the time. <laughs> um, I'm sure that that has quite a lot to do with it. Um, but I will tell you, I've always felt at odds with some of the sensibilities in California, like, for example, with how much things cost. I have a real problem. It's a little spendy Like, there. with everybody in California loves their cars. They spend a lot of money on their cars. And I say, how much? Yeah. A house would cost that. You know, are we going to live in it? Right. Yes. <laughs> That's what a house costs in Kansas City. So um, right. it, it has been weird. Now, you know, I'm married to a native Californian. My child is a native Californian. And I still, um, you know, identify with uh, my Kansas City family. And, and it, it does change your view of yes. the world. So. No, it's true. Where you come from. That, that's absolutely, yeah, because every, every, every so often the Minnesota comes out. <laughs> Got to be super practical about things. Yeah. Yep. Uh, here's where I compliment all of you. And not just the three of you on stage, but everyone here. I'm going to take this a slightly different direction. I said this earlier today. Um, we're, we're very fiercely independent. And we're super proud that we are part of a movement of independence. And again, I have tremendous amounts of respect for the people that we compete with and our colleagues with in, in the business that we're in. But in all honesty, 
I feel as though that spirit of independence is what is not necessarily going to take us through and be a robust business, but it's going to help bring all of us through together. And I think that this idea of independence is at its infancy. And what I mean by that is there is becoming more clarity in what that means. And Andy, you've known me for about 20 years. And you remember that when I was working for an independent company, I was happy. And then I went to work for a corporate company and was miserable. And then went to work for an independent that became corporate-y and was happy then miserable. <laughs> now I'm happy again. There really is something to this independence. And John really articulated a foundation when he wrote that op-ed piece for us. And I'm super excited about where all of this is headed. And not just for WPI, not just for all of you, but for this industry in general. And I think that we are at the beginning of a sea change. And I think that the three of you on stage exemplify that. You've had your time in the corporate world. You've had your time seeing the other side of that chicken coop, as it were. <laughs> a lot of ink out there. And it's, no. <laughs> but there's great beauty in independence. And that's really where I compliment you. And honestly, that's where I compliment all of you, male, female, all of us together. Um, and let's all work together to keep that mantle of independence. So this show, be, this show shifted a little bit to independent out west a little bit. And I, I, will, like not, it. I will not apologize for being like fiercely independent, by the way. Uh, each of you has a chance for a couple minutes to say whatever you want for a minute or two. I can go first because okay. I actually, um, it, because I was going to, and Dean, I was going to talk about the difference between listening and hearing. But, right ahead. but I think you did such a <laughs> nice job. It needs more help. No, no, I thought you did a great job. But, um, so I was picking my brain and um, thinking about like low moments or defining moments as a manager. And I remember I was made a career director when I was pretty young. And I was probably 27, 28. Um, and I started in the industry a little bit young too. But I had, suddenly I had this huge group and um, mostly guys. I was working in Texas. It was the 90s. <laughs> and um, this one guy came in, you know, so they did a reorg, and I ended up with these teams. And this one guy walked in, plopped down in next to me, you know, across from me at my desk, and he's like, you know, I just had to come in here and tell you, you know, you're a chick. And I would pretty much, I kind of have a problem having a boss who's a chick. He goes, but you're a writer. And that kind of balances it out. So I think I'm okay because you're a chick and a writer. If you were a chick and an art director, we'd have a problem. So I do think some progress has been made. <laughs> it was Texas. It was the night. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was defining. I think I like Richard Linklater's uh, Texas a little bit better. I yeah. Because all yeah. right, all right, all right. All right, all right. <laughs> yes. What do you want? Uh, who wants to go next? Go ahead, Andy. Okay. Um, three things. Find something or someone to ground you so you don't become too full of yourself. Play the long game. Uh, many stars burn quickly, rise and burn very quickly. And you don't want to peak too early. Speaking as a 60-year-old who's had to survive this long. Uh, say yes to opportunities to learn. And say no to overdoing it socially from fear of missing out. Or as a friend of mine says, no is a complete sentence. Nice. Oh, nice. Wow. there's your bumper sticker, ladies <laughs> yeah. and gentlemen. Lori? Uh, so I uh, wrote down perspective, and it's so interesting because we've talked about it already a couple of times today, but I 
really believe that changing my perspective over the years has helped me, um, uh, uh, I don't know, to, I guess, be where I am today mm -hmm. um, in my career. I started out in media sales. Uh, I moved to the agency business and started out in media. Um, mm -hmm. Then along the way, I worked on the client side a couple of times, came back you know, into account management, and I just really feel like this sort of holistic, uh, broader understanding of the business has just really served me well over the years. And I look at our staff now, particularly as we grow and um, you know, we spend all this time trying to make sure we're not all working in silos, but you do have a bunch of people who are on a particular track and their perspective is what it is. And I'm struggling trying to come up with a way to change their perspective without asking them to change their job <laughs> because I don't want right. them to, to leave. Um, when I was in junior high, we had this program called Teacher for a Day. And I think about it all the time. I'm trying to figure out how can I create that scenario for people to switch mm -hmm. desks and you know live a day in mm -hmm. somebody else's, some other discipline's uh, life and you know feel empathy towards them right. you know if we could do it with the client that would be great too um, but I think figuring out a way to just always and again depending on who you are there are many different ways to think about perspective but it's really important again to what we're doing here so that's awesome that's awesome yeah. we wrap up the show one quick little piece of advice what is your last word Lori I'm going to start with you uh, be present. Don't multitask. My 20-year-old told me not too long ago, hey, mom, you've been doing it as long as I've known you, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> multitasking sucks. So yeah. um, the message is, yeah, try to be present, you know, in, in, in our days uh, with whoever we're with and whatever we're doing. So, Mary. After years of working with Second City comedians side-by-side, uh, -side, presenting with them, um, my advice is, and again, this might be something to take back to your people, quit, trying, quit looking at how somebody else is doing something and say, I want to do it like that. Quit trying to be somebody else, but work on being the best version of yourself. That's Amen. good. That's a good one. And Dean. Cool. Sleep more. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth, right? At least eight. At least eight. At least eight. <laughs> uh, Honestly, this is a real treat. It was a real treat having you guys up on stage. Thanks again to John for helping me set this up. I really appreciate it. Uh, and round of applause for this Thank wonderful you, Doug. panel. Thank you, Doug.